the last time I talked, we talked about wives being submissive to their husbands. But I know that the women have been anticipating me talking again so I can pour it on the men this time. So, women, you can sit back and relax tonight. Wives, sit back and relax. It's, uh, it's our turn. So, And I'm glad that Jerry swapped out with me today so I could catch everybody by surprise. I figured if I had to teach tomorrow night, no men would show up. It would only be women. So, so I'm glad that uh, I'm glad Jerry, Jerry swapped up with me. I'm thankful to be here, and I'm glad, I, I'm glad I have the opportunity to teach, and I'm glad that Yahweh has allowed me to understand what I understand in the Scriptures. He's been uh, awful good to me, awful good to my family, and uh, the, the Bible has been a, or is a huge part of my life, and it's the inspiration that drives me to be the husband that I am and, and um, the man that I have become. So I'm thankful that, that Yahweh has used me in the manner that He has. If you've got your Bibles and you open them up to the fifth chapter of Ephesians, I want to read back through verses 22 through 32, and then we'll kind of dive into the text for today. So Ephesians 5, starting in verse 22, it says, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church. He is the Savior of the body. Now as the church submits to Christ, so wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as also Christ loved the church and gave himself for her to make her holy, cleansing her in the washing of water by the word. He did this to present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but provides and cares for it just as Christ does for the church, since we are members of his body. For this reason, man will leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. The mystery is This mystery is profound, but I am talking about Christ and the church. To sum up, each one of you is to love his wife as himself, and the wife is to respect her husband. So the last time I taught, obviously we dealt with wives submitting to their husbands. But in my explanation of things, I tried to recall your attention to Adam and Eve and the creation story. We went over the union that was designed by Yahweh for man and woman to be together as one flesh. We talked about how it was a perfect union and how woman was fashioned from from man and brought to him to be a helpmeet. Now there's a lot more to be said about the creation of uh, man and woman or Adam and Eve and all of what that entails, and I'll get into that the next time I teach, and I, but I don't want to spoil it for now. So, But if you remember, I told you that the union was made and designed by Yahweh, and Yahweh designed it well. It was done, it was done right, and Yahweh knew what He was doing. It was good. However, after the fall of man in the, in the garden, or since the fall of man in the garden, marriage has struggled. Marriage has struggled. So as a result of the fall, women seek to rule and not to submit. Women sometimes desire control, and that's their fallen tendency. And the man, who was also cursed, not only the woman, but the man was also cursed in the garden, he seems to be given to overpowering tendencies to crush the woman, maybe to subdue the woman, or to control her very nature. So after the fall, I believe that there was a conflict between man and woman, and marriage has suffered ever since. Okay, So the question is, can... Marriage and the union designed by Yahweh be salvaged. 
Well, I believe that the answer is yes. And like I said in my last sermon, the salvation of a marriage begins with the salvation of a saint. It requires a new heart in order for a woman to submit to her husband. And it requires a new heart in order for a man to love his wife. In other words, salvation and people will help to lessen the curse by bringing both the man and the woman into submission under Holy Scripture, which will in turn bring about the salvation of the marriage union. This is the reasoning that Paul is working from when we get down to verses 23, 24, 25. This is where Paul is taking all this from. He enters verse 22 and following with the prerequisite that he is talking to spirit-filled saints that submit to Christ in their daily walk, like it says in verse 21. Now, if we can do that, women, can you in turn submit to your husbands as the church submits to Yeshua? And men, can we love our wives as Christ loved the church? Verse 25 says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. I want you to notice, men, it does not say that he is to rule his wife as Christ ruled the church. That's not what Paul says. It doesn't say that he is to dominate her, to exasperate her, to belittle her, to change her, to overpower her, cause her to submit, or to control her. It doesn't say any of that. The men already have those tendencies. We already have that built in us. That's the curse. That's our nature. Okay? Remember, that comes along with the curse. But Paul doesn't say any of that. He only says to love her. Why? Why does he say to love her? Because she's, she's the weaker vessel. Not in faith, not in knowledge, not in spiritual strength, just in physicality. She's the weaker vessel. First Peter says in chapter 3 and in verse 7, it says, Husbands, in the same way, live with your wives with understanding of their weaker nature, yet showing them honor as co-heirs of the grace of life, so that your prayers will not be hindered. That uh, speaks volumes to me. That ought to open some eyes in here, I think. Those are pretty powerful words, that your prayers may not be hindered. I'm reminded of Proverbs chapter 28 and verse 9. It says, anyone who turns his ear from hearing the law, even his prayers, are an abomination. Peter equates loving your wife with turning your ear from hearing the law when it comes to your prayers. Your prayers are, as, are in jeopardy of being heard and are of being answered if you don't love the proper way. So why do we love our wives? One, because we're commanded to. But two, because she is the weaker vessel. <coughs> Men, it is our responsibility to give direction, to give provision and leadership in our home, but always, always in the context of love. Always. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 19, it says, Husbands, love your wives and don't become bitter against them. So as long as the curse remains, there's always the possibility of the man losing the love that he once had for his wife, or at least the emotions that he once had for his wife, and becoming the petty tyrant over his wife and becoming bitter against her. So in maintaining context, it's the leadership of love, it's the headship of love, and it's the guidance and the affection and service to your wife. There is never a command given to a man to cause his wife to submit 
That is not your job. She is commanded to submit by a much higher authority than we are. That is her job. That is her challenge. That's what she to do. It's not for a man to cause her to submit. You are commanded only to love. It's not our job to suppress, only to guide, protect, and lead in love. So what is the manner in which we are or which we should love? Verse 25 says, Just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. Let me ask you something, fellas. When is the last time that you sacrificed yourself for your wife? Physically, the answer is never. You have never, at least to the point of death, you've not sacrificed for your wife or else you wouldn't be sitting here. But that's not what I'm talking about. When was the last time that you woke up and said to yourself, I'm going to crucify my flesh today and forget all about me in effort to love my wife? To do for her whatever she needs, whatever she desires, or whatever she longs for, when is the last time that you even thought that? That's even crossed your mind. I hear people say all the time, I love my wife too much. Has anybody in here ever said that? Heard that? I love my wife too much? Well, when you hear that remark, you should real quickly, real promptly, ask them if they love their wife as much as Christ loved the church. Because if you don't, you don't love her enough. You don't love her enough. Love is a service. It's a denial of self for the greater good of someone else. It's not an emotion, even though emotions are attached to it. When you tell your spouse that you love them, men, you should ask yourself, do I serve her? When I tell my wife I love her, I should be asking myself, do I serve her? Am I telling the truth? Do I really serve her? Do you sacrifice yourself for her? Or do you spend time with her when it's convenient? When you can't do anything else? Do you help her when there's there's something in it for you? Or do you serve her because you long... To give of yourself even when nothing's given in return. You say, well, you don't know what she did to me. But I'm telling you, the Bible says that we have to love our enemies. So it doesn't really matter what she did to you. She don't have to be perfect. She don't have to, she don't have to do it right all the time. It's okay that she treats you like mess and you just keep on loving her. That's what we're supposed to do. That's what we're called to do. Okay? And look, guys, she's not commanded to serve you or to sacrifice to you, or at least in this context, she's not. She's only commanded to submit. You're the one that's commanded to love, not her. Not her. If she serves you and gives her life up for you, it's truly a gift to you because in this passage, that's not what she's asked to do. Not that she's not to love. We're we're commanded to love and we're both commanded to submit. But in this passage that we're dealing with, that's not her place right here. Okay? Do you know that Christ died on a tree when no one in love, nobody loved Him? There might have been a few that loved Him, but he, he died on a tree before anybody did anything for Him. He just died. He gave Himself for all people, past, present, and future, that were not worthy of His sacrifice. And He didn't say first, if you'll submit to Me, I'll do this for you. He just died. He just died. He just loved whether, whether we all serve Him, whether one would serve Him, whether all would serve Him. It didn't matter. He just loved. He just died. He gave Himself for a people who could never even understand or appreciate what He did. 
Now Paul's telling us men, love your wives in that manner. Love like that. That's the standard. The concept of loving your wife or to lowering yourself below your wife or anybody else around you was revolutionary in Paul's day. And it's revolutionary today. In those days, women were treated as unequals. They were often bought and sold as slaves. They were dominated by men. And they never were heard above a man in those days. Not much has changed for today in our culture. Um, it's kind of like that. Maybe a little different. But in today's society, there's an agenda where a man basically says, as long as you will do what I need and what I ask, I will have you as my wife. But when you cease to do that, I will put you away or get rid of you and I will find another to replace you. And that's the society that we live in. It works both ways, but we're dealing with men today, so we're talking about that's what men do. Okay? May put their wives away. A self-sacrificial love is what we're supposed to have. And Paul says, stop viewing her as lower. Stop suppressing her. Love her like Christ loved the church with no strings attached. Love her when it's not good for you. Love her when she doesn't show you compassion, when she doesn't fix your dinner, when she doesn't wait on you. Love her anyway. Because Christ loved the church that way. We didn't do anything for Him. And He crawled upon a tree and He died for us. And that's the way we're to love our wives. We're to love our wives just like Christ loved. That's the command. Just as, just as wives are to submit to their husbands and the church is to submit to Christ, you are to love just like He did. The requirements of a wife are a whole lot less in this passage than the requirements of a man. The wife is required to submit, but the man is required to love, and that is hard. That is hard. My wife is much more of a servant to me than I have ever been to her. She has sacrificed everything for me and my family, when honestly, I don't know that I have sacrificed much at all. I don't know that I've gave up much at all. To put it simply, guys, the spirit-filled husband loves his wife, and not for what she can do for him, but rather what he can do for her. That's how the love of Christ worked, and that's how it still works today. Yeshua didn't love us because something in us attracted Him to us. He actually loved us in spite of our filth. He loved us not to suppress us, but to set us free. He didn't try to manipulate us, but to provide us with a knowledge that would lead to an eternal life. He didn't try to cause us to submit to fear, but He won us with words of truth and everlasting sacrifice. Men, this is not a, not a question of deserving good. We didn't do anything. We don't deserve Him. Okay, We didn't do anything good. We don't deserve the sacrifice that was made for us, and we surely don't deserve the love that He showed us. Right? We're not more desirable than the next man. He loved us because of the lack of desire. I guess he liked projects because we are one. We are one. He loved us like Hosea loved Gomer. He saw us as a harlot, a despicable person who was defiled, not pure, not pleasant to the eyes, not powerful, but weak and frail, overcome by the world and lost in the world's lust. He saw us stripped naked and detestable the same way Hosea loved Gomer. Yeshua loved his church. 
It is a love that never dies, a love that can't be killed. It is completely self-sacrificing. To put it in a contextual phrase, I guess we could say that it is death to self. We must die in order to love that, that way. This is the spirit we're to have in loving our wives. So men, swallow your pride. Swallow your personal ambitions. Swallow your personal desires. Swallow all the fallacies about what life might have been like if you would have married somebody else or if things would have turned out different or it was a different time or place. Put all that aside and love your wives with a love that knows nothing of self self and only of her and her needs and her concerns and her heart and sacrifice yourself and your life for the welfare and the care for her. Forget about you. This is the love that Paul commands us to love with. This is the manner in which we are to love our wives. Men, don't get caught up in the world and what it tries to sell you as to what love is. Romantic love doesn't endure. Sure, it works for a minute. Sparks fly, bells ring, but after a little while, it gets quieter. It gets quieter. Romantic love doesn't endure. After a while, it becomes mundane. Okay, I'm not saying that my wife and I don't have a passionate relationship. We do. We do. But there's a lot of difference between the first month and 15 years later. There's a different kind of love. There's a real love that is endured and stayed strong and kept going. Okay, There's a different kind of love. Life is mundane and everything is common and plain. And before you know it, you're looking outside. A man's looking outside for something to bring back that spark. Let's relight those firecrackers. Let's get it going again. That's what a, that's what a man does because everything's just settled. Don't look for that. Don't look for that and don't buy that. That's what the world sells you. That's not a new nature of love. We're called to be new creatures, built with new natures, and we're supposed to love the way that Christ loved. We're supposed to have been born again. We have a walk to walk and a calling to fulfill. And according to Paul right here in Ephesians, that calling is to love our wives just like Christ loved the church. That's what we're to do. When a man is born from above and is really filled with the Spirit, when his joy is found in self-sacrifice and everything Christ has done for him, at that time, he will sacrifice himself for his wife. And when this happens, his authority will be sure, but it will be soft. His words will be warm and true. His leadership will be so clear and so secure. And she will follow if she is obedient to Yahweh's word. But she will follow, most importantly, because she desires to. That's right. Because she desires to. Because you're doing it right. Men, I suppose the real issue is this. Death to self. I believe that's the real issue. Death to self. We need to learn to die daily to our flesh. I learned something from Matthew a while back. Matthew told me that you can't really experience humility unless you hurt. You can't really experience unless you hurt. If you retaliate when someone gets over on you, then you never really experienced humility. It has no sting. If we learn to die to self, it will save us from being revengeful, defensive, and hostile towards other people. When you are forgotten, neglected, or purposely set aside, and you sting and burn inside with pain or insult because of the oversight, but your heart is glad that you can suffer for the sake of Christ, then you're dying to self. 
when you can do something great and no one notices. Anybody struggle with that one? When you can do something great and no one notices. When you can step aside and let someone else get the credit for a deed that you've done. When, you, when you're content no matter what your circumstances is. No matter what kind of food you eat, what kind of car you drive, what kind of clothes you wear, what kind of house you live in. When you don't refer to yourself in conversation. When you can be happy when someone else praises another person and you don't have to tell of your good deeds to reap credit equivalent to the praise they are receiving. When you can truly love to be unrecognized for something good you've done, that is dying to self. That's dying to self. When you can care about the welfare of others over the welfare of yourself. When you rejoice when someone else gets a raise knowing that you're financially struggling. When you're truly happy for someone else who succeeds in something that you've been struggling with. Folks, that's dying to self. And men, listen. This one won't be easy to hear, but listen anyway. When you can receive correction from your wife and humbly submit inwardly as well as outwardly, and you feel no rebellion against her, and feel no resentment rising in your heart, at that point, you're dying to self. Try it. Try it. It's hard to know that the weaker vessel can correct you. But she can. And she should. She should. That's hard to swallow. But guys, this is what makes you a leader in your home. When self dies and humility takes root, when what's all about you becomes all about her, then the manner of love in which we're commanded to love has been met. And let me say this too. Every man in here, it is easy. It is really easy. I'm good at this. It is easy to boss someone around, to make your presence known, to always be right whether you are or not, or push your wives out of the way and step in and take charge. I'm good at that. It's easy to do. It is real easy to do. No effort at all. But it is hard, oh, it's so hard, to humble yourself and receive correction from the weaker vessel. It's real hard. Especially if you're a strong person, if you're a confident person, if you're a respected leader, if you're a successful person, if you're a respected leader in some kind of role, it's not easy to receive correction from your wife. But humility is what being a believer calls for. We have to have it. We're so often confused. A lot of times it is so hard to recognize the spiritual leader within the home. Because the spiritual leader should be meek and mild. Not macho and strong and tough. The spiritual leader is to be meek and mild. He's humble. He takes up his cross daily. He is concerned with the well-being, the happiness of others as well as his wife and his family. He looks not at his own glory, but rather the glory of those around him. And he concerns himself with her, with his wife. And it may appear as though a man like that is weak, but that is truly being the leader of the house that he's called to be and fulfilling the duty to love his wife. That's his job. This is our calling, men. Love our wives as Christ loved the church. Let's look at verse 26. It says, "...to make her holy, cleansing her in the washing of water by the word." All right, Paul's asking a little bit too much. 
first we got to love her no matter what. Now he wants to give us wants us to give her a bath, and <laughs> so whatever that amounts to. But uh, we're to help cleanse our wives. That's where he's headed with this. We're we're to help cleanse our wives with the washing of the word to make her presentable to our Lord. So here is a chore for all of us leaders of the home. We want to be rulers of the house. We want the title so that we're prestigious and respected around the house. So here's the title, men. Try this one on. Priest. Priest. The high priest made sacrifices for the nation of Israel once a year to cleanse her for present sin and to purify her from year to year. Christ became high priest in a much higher venue in the heavenly tabernacle. He is our high priest. Once and for all, who has offered up the perfect sacrifice that we would be eternally clean. But men, it is our duty to constantly cleanse our wives with the washing of the Word in education and in sanctification. That is our job. Do you realize that the Word, Yahweh, that the word of Yahweh constantly refreshes you and cleanses you? That's what it does. John 15 and verse 3, it says, You are already clean because of the Word that I have spoken to you. Christ loved the church with a sacrificial love, a purifying love, and a sanctifying love. He cleansed us in order that we could be presented holy and blameless before Yahweh. And in the same way, husbands are to be this way to their wives. We are to do everything we can to lead her in holiness and righteousness and in purity. That's our job. There is a cleansing that has already taken place, but we still have to constantly wash. The same way a branch has been pruned and remains in the vine, so also one must constantly be cleansed as we get dirty throughout the course of life. Okay, That's what the Word does for us. So how do we do that? How do we as men help our wives? How do we as men instruct our homes? How do we as men guide our wives and love our wives in this manner? And the way we do this is we constantly expose her to the Word of Yahweh. John 17 and verse 17, it says, Sanctify them by the truth. Your Word is truth. This is how we are sanctified. You are the priest of the home, men, and the same way it was the Levites' job to educate the nation of Israel. It is your job to lead your home, especially your wife. So thus, this is how you do this. On the negative, you never expose your spouse or expose your wife to something that would hinder her beauty and her purity in the Messiah. You wouldn't expose her to some type of iniquity. And on the affirmative, you would always encourage, edify, and embrace anything that is holy and beneficial to her. For example, I wouldn't take my wife to a place where something is vile. For instance, a movie where iniquity is prevalent. I wouldn't sit through it. I wouldn't let her watch it. I would would remove me and her and my family. If if something were to come up in a movie, I would remove them from that. I I wouldn't put her in front of that. Okay? Not that she's not grown. She's heard all the words. She's seen all the stuff. I'm just saying... That's not what we do. That's not we do, what we do. We're, we're trying to, I'm trying to, to sanctify my wife, to purify my wife, so to speak, by the washing of the Word. I would encourage my wife to have fellowship with other Christian ladies or to go to church 
church functions like maybe Passover or any of the other number of feasts. That's where I would want my wife to be. So that her surroundings are wholesome and good. Okay? I can't tell you how many times my wife... I guess I'm kind of embarrassed to tell you how many times my wife has asked me at night or had to ask me to pray for our family or to pray with her. Okay? And And also... I would hate to have to tell you how many times my wife has asked me to read the Bible with her at night. This shouldn't be, men. It is my job to cleanse my wife. It is my job to wash my wife with the washing of the Word. That is my job. She shouldn't have to ask me. We are disciples of our wives. They're not disciples of us. Not that We can't learn from them. I don't mean that. But the lack of our efforts to do our job is absolutely unacceptable. I can learn from my wife. I've learned a lot from her. But it is my job to groom my family. It is my job to take care of them. I am the priest of my home and it is my job to do that. We should constantly be washing washing them with the Word. So men, ask yourself this. What are you doing? What are you doing to strengthen your wife spiritually? What do you do at home? How do you do how do you do or how do you aid in her sanctification? We are called to love her and to cleanse her. We need to be doing these things. She is a precious gem worthy of the attention of us and our self sacrifice. Let's look at verse twenty seven and then I'll close. In verse twenty seven it says He did this to present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but holy and blameless. Man, this is the reason that we are to love our wives and to constantly wash them with the word of truth. This is the reason. We're to do this because Christ has given us an example. He's given this example to us so that we could follow it. That's what He did for the church. And we're called to love her just like He loved the church. His cleansing was eternal, but it is our job to treat our bride the same way He treated His bride. Yahweh is a jealous mighty one. He is not in love with a harlot, but rather one that is supposed to be pure. Without spot or blemish or any such thing. In this same way, we are to sanctify our brides with the washing of the Word. Husbands, we have a great task, a very special task set in front of us. And it's not an easy one. It's not an easy one at all. Because of our pride and our positions as husbands, we often lose sight of how humble and submissive we must be to the calling that is laid in front of us. Just as our wives are to submit to us, we must submit to Yeshua. And in our submission to our Lord, we are obligated to do as He says. And through the mouth of His chosen apostle right here, He has commanded us to love our wives with a sacrificial love, a sacrificing love. Okay? He has also commanded us to cleanse her by the washing of the Word so that she might advance in her holiness through our obedience. Brothers, this is not to be taken lightly. Let's do the best that we can to submit to our Lord and serve our wives with a sacrificial love. I'll close with this. A long time ago, Kim and I got in an argument and uh, both of us needed to apologize. Or both of us needed to do something to reconcile the dispute. And even though both of us needed to take action, the question was always this. Who goes first? Who goes first? Whether it be with an apology or 
one of us initiating a solution to a problem, we, was all, we were always at odds with each other, wondering who would apologize first, who would make the first move. Well, in the case of salvation, Yeshua went first. When it comes to the bride or the groom, the groom went first. Christ died for the church long before the church submitted. So I believe that's the way it is with us. We're supposed to go first, husbands. Husbands, love your wives without expectations. Serve her without looking for a submissive wife or for something in return. Sacrifice yourself for her welfare, whether you reap results or don't reap results. Do this because the truly spiritual man is a man of sacrifice and one of love. Lead when no one follows. Love when no one notices. Serve even when there is no reward in sight. This is our calling as husbands to our wives. And if we do this in the manner that Christ did, I guarantee you, they will see your love and they will submit to your authority because it's an authority that is authorized by Yahweh. Yes. All right, let's, let's pray.